Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by McKenna Kelly, here to talk all things gymnastics. We've got a great show for you today, Uh, mostly college actually all college, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking the uh, awards that have recently come out, SEC awards, as well as the AAI award, the Heisman Trophy for women's gymnastics. Going to talk all about those. And then we are going to recap our meet of the week, which was once again, Utah versus UCLA, but we will strictly be talking about the Utes. And then we have a very appropriate interview for after that. Head coach of the Utah gymnastics team, Tom Farden, is going to be joining us talking all about his amazing coaching career. He's going to talk about Michaela Skinner, what it was like to coach her, recap this past season a little bit, look ahead to next season. It's going to be a really great episode. So you want to stick around for that. And we have a little um, Chalk Talk family expansion because McKenna got a dog. I did get a dog. (laughs) I was like, we do? What are we doing? (laughs) He's actually sleeping in little bed right now. His name's Rex. He is a rescue. Um, It's actually funny. I uh, texted Miss Val something uh, like last week, and I don't know how we got on the topic of dogs, but we were both saying like we want a dog so bad. And then like a couple days later, I got one and I sent her the picture. And she's like, oh my gosh, now it's my turn. (laughs) He is, I think he's some sort of pit bull, Sharpay mix. He's a little dude. He's like 33-ish pounds and he's full grown. He's such a sweetheart. Um, it's perfect for me in this really weird time. Keeps me busy um, for sure. But thanks for introducing him, Taylor. I'm, I'm not of on course. right now, so you guys, um, you don't see him and I haven't posted anything um, about him. So, But I will. I promise I will. I got a picture. I, I got the inside scoop and he's so cute. But yeah, I, I'm so envious because when this whole quarantine thing happened, I was like, this would be the perfect time to get a puppy because yeah. you have all this time to spend with them yeah. and bond and work on training and yeah. it's just perfect. So I am very jealous, but very happy for you and the little pupper. So congrats to McKenna. All right, everybody. Well, let's go ahead and talk about our storylines for today. We'll just go ahead and start with the SEC awards. Um, The SEC announced its annual gymnastics awards voted on by the head coaches from each institution. So there are four awards. So I'll just run through them real quick. The SEC gymnast of the year. Trinity Thomas from Florida, the event specialist of the year, Helen Hu from Missouri, the freshman of the year, Kaya Johnson from LSU, and coach of the year, Jenny Rowland from Florida. Happy for all of those. Were, were any of them surprising for you, McKenna? No, not at all. I, um, In terms of Helen, yeah, we talked about her so much, and I think she did a phenomenal job. Honestly, I can't really think of another specialist that stood out the way she did. Not not to say that there wasn't one, um, but right. I think 
in terms of the Missouri team and, and kind of their caliber of gymnastics, Helen was just really special for them. Um, Trinity, absolutely. Kaya, 100%. And I actually feel good about Jenny, considering um, what Jenny's team did last year and the way Jenny has coached them going into this year and keeping that motivation um, for that Florida team, I think was huge. And I think considering, you know, the cutoff of season, you have to take into consideration what's been done just in the short amount of time that this season has given. And, and I think I think it's deserved for Jenny. I really do. I feel good about that. I do too. And then, of course, the AAI award known as the Heisman Trophy for women's gymnastics. Every year, the head coaches are asked to submit a nomination for the candidate or candidates of their choice. This year, 33 talented athletes were nominated. And after the nominations are in, coaches then vote to narrow the field to the top six. And then a final vote is cast to determine the overall winner. So the six finalists were Kennedy Edney from LSU. Taylor Houchin from Nebraska, Maddie Carr from Denver, Molly Korth from Kentucky, Maggie Nichols, Oklahoma, and Kyla Ross, UCLA. I love that group, by yeah. the way. I, I think it's yeah. it's so well-rounded, and they all have brought such stability to their programs, and they have aided in the growth of their programs. So I think this top six was on the money. But of course... The AAI award winner goes to Maggie Nichols. And honestly, the only thing surprising about this was why not Kyla? But if Kyla had won, we'd be sitting here saying, why not Maggie? These two were just dead even. And uh, I I do wonder if it had anything to do with the fact that Kyla won the Honda award. Like, do we just like give them each one? You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, You know, I'm interested to see like if we had on paper, they're printed out stats like side by side I'd love to see like how many times and I can I'm sure I can look this up on like you know UCLA sports.com and and OU sports Um, but I'd love to see like how many titles they both have to you know each event to all around and kind of go from there because I'm sure they literally had you know the committee that decided this I'm sure they had to get down to the nitty gritty I mean these girls have both such an incredible resume not only in um, the college world, but the elite world and just in gymnastics in general. So I can't imagine, you know, what the stakes were to boil down to picking which one of them it would be. Yeah, seriously, you you could have flipped a coin in this yeah. situation. I mean, they're both... It- I mean, they're both so deserving, but uh, Maggie is actually the first Oklahoma gymnast to win the award, which I found very interesting because you just think of Oklahoma as the pinnacle now, and she is the first one to bring that back to Norman. So I found that very interesting. It was also, I was curious logistically how they did this, but uh, the AAI set up a webinar to hear from all of the finalists. So the finalists could log on, their coaches could log on if they want and be part of the webinar. And uh, each of the six finalists were asked a question and and got to talk a little bit. And then the winner was announced that way. So I'm glad they did something like that. So it wasn't just like an email blast that went out. You know what I mean? Um, So I, I appreciated that effort. You mentioned the stat comparisons. I don't have the comparisons, but I do have some stats for Maggie just because she she is the winner and it is incredibly deserved. Um, do you want to guess how many tens she had in her career? Um, I feel like I actually saw this. Is it like 32 or 33? 22. 
Okay, okay. I remember a two being there. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 30, though, but that's... Yeah, seriously. Okay, well, here's where it's just insane. So Maggie had 22 tens. She had 35 9975s. Oh, my God. 90% of her routines earned a 9.9 or higher. <laughs> what? of your career like only 10% of the time did she not hit a 9-9 or what in the freak how is that even possible I I I like can't even fathom that because like my (laughs) days were like 9-8 and like you're on like probably had the flu and got like a 9-9 and was like oh man like what an off day for (laughs) um that's how we kind of thought of Sarah Finnegan too. I, I'm obviously, she's oh, not so true right now, but um, it just it, Maggie reminds me a lot of Sarah, just in terms of like um, you know performance level and consistency and, and scores, really. But I can't. How do you? How? Just how? I would love to I know. know. Because that also means if if ninety percent of her routines earned a nine nine or higher, and they went to postseason every year that Maggie was on that team, that includes postseason performances like with six judges right yeah yes I mean just mind-blowing and obviously we don't even have to elaborate when we say what she has been as a representative for this sport and that goes beyond just college gymnastics she has been an advocate she has been a um a leader uh, in the needed change in the culture of the sport of gymnastics. And I think that that uh, is even more of a reason that she deserves these accolades. So uh, couldn't be more happy for her or for all six of the finalists. I think all six of those girls have so much to be proud of in their careers. So just wanted to acknowledge them. Uh, And now we are going to get into our meat of the week recap and talk about Utah. Now, obviously, this meet we had recapped on the last episode talking about UCLA. So we know that Utah comes out with the win. It was a very competitive, hard fought meet. And I I think Utah definitely deserved the win. Uh, Let's go apparatus by apparatus, just like we did in the past and talk all about these lineups. So we'll start with Utah on bars. McKenna, go ahead and give me your perception of this rotation. Sure. Overall, I think um, they did a phenomenal job, especially on Mm -hmm. bars. Um, When we talked to Tom, you'll definitely hear more of, you know, where he thought their strengths were. And Taylor and I, I mean, we talked about this last week, even that we felt bars, we were really excited to focus on Utah and, and watch the routines just because from seeing little glimpses of their bar routines, um, we knew they brought it and they had to have, you know, winning and coming into UCLA. I mean, this was a, what a number two, number three competition. So this was, this was high stakes. Like this was going to be a tough, yeah. we knew that and they knew that. Um, but always going into the opponent's environment, especially a team like UCLA, it can be nerve wracking and um, starting on bars. It's, it's hard and it's difficult, um, but they did a phenomenal job and it's so important to start strong. So you're not feeling like you have to pick up after yourself and, and find yourself catching up. Um, and I think they did just that. Um, they started off with Maylee or Maylee, excuse me, Miley O'Keefe. I always read her name like that. Um, I thought she did great as a leadoff spot. I feel like a lot of elites that translate into college gymnastics um, do a very good job in that in that leadoff spot. Um, I thought mm-hmm. she was a little flat on her shaposh, but I think overall she had a beautiful swing. 
Um, handstands could be sharper. She had a unique dismount with a little bit of form, um, but she had a great stick. Um, I felt like Miley, and, and you could kind of see this throughout the meet, um, you can tell she's she's still trying to figure out how to come into her own and how to own her her college gymnastics, that college flair. It is such a culture shock, especially from the elite world um, to college. Um, and I think over time, especially as she, you know, climbs the ladder to, you know, more of an upperclassman position, she's going to do a great job. And she's already scoring big scores. Uh, she went 9.925 as a leadoff on bars. And um, I'm excited to see her grow um, and kind of come into her own as a, not only a gymnast, but a person in the NCAA. Um, then we had Emily LeBlanc. She was a little short in her handstrings, but boy, was that a beautiful routine. I thought it was short and sweet. Um, and her dismount was incredible. She also mm -hmm. spent that with a 9.9. Uh, then we had Crystal Issa, or Isa. Um, she had a little bit of knees on her ray, but a beautiful bail, really good blind fool. Um, she landed right on top of the bar um, and went immediately into a double layout. That is an extremely hard connection, by the way. Um, she yeah. managed out a stick, too, and went 9925. Um, Abby Paulson, she is actually an elite from um, Maggie Nichols' gym and Olivia Troutman's gym. Um, I thought she did a very good routine little bit of form here and there, but you could tell this routine was watered down from um, what she's normally used to in the elite world. And and that can actually be, sometimes be harder for elites. You know, they're so used to jam packing that, you know, they have a hard time controlling those basics and, and kind of learning how to be easy on themselves. Um, they're used to going for those aggressive hard things, but um, I thought she did a, a really good job. She had a, her dismount was a little off, but um, she's going to, she's going to be great. And she'll be fun to watch too um, as she goes on in her career. Then we have Missy Reinstatler, who is, I, I literally wrote, like butter on a hot pan. I mean, she is just so, <laughs> man, she just, I love her rhythm. I love her swing. It's just, it's so natural. Um, a little bit of form issues and a little short on handstands, but she was so clean in terms of technique and toe point that it kind of like, um, kind of stole the show a little bit, kind of tricked you into forgetting about um, maybe the form. But uh, she had a very strong dismount, but a pretty big hot back. Um, and then Kim Tesson, uh, I wrote, wow, so, so good. Um, you know, I did come to realize watching the anchor, you know, usually there is, um, something super special about them. There's a reason why they're rounding out this, um, you know, this event. And I did feel like Kim for sure. She took the cake just in terms of, um, her form. And I think that's why she mm -hmm. was here. But I think overall this bar lineup for Utah, I felt like they were very similar within each routine. They were both, they were all, um, very stacked with difficulty. I thought, um, you know, there was form honestly throughout the first, um, the lead off to the fifth person going, there was a little bit of form um, issues. And I think Kim, just because she is the cleanest, she was last. Um, other than that, I think anyone could have really been anchored just in terms of difficulty and um, the, the stacked way of, um, of their gymnastics. But Kim also nailed out an iconic stick, I, I is what I wrote, um, just considering um, they had two dismounts with the step and they knew, you know, we really got to focus on landings here. This, this is when the win is going to come from, right? The little things. So um, overall, I thought they did a great job, a great start on bars. I agree. Uh, them on Utah on bars was just like, it, it was, it set the meat. I said this for the UCLA recap. It set the tone for what this meet was going to be. Yeah. Um, but really, I felt like Utah kind of bookend book ended whatever the, the meat because their performance on bars and then how they ended on beam yeah. were yeah. like it was 
epic. So those two were really where they were shining for me. But um, I agree. I appreciated some of the uniqueness, even as much as two of the girls in the lineup had straight body cast to handstands throughout the entire routine. You take notice. And and I certainly took notice of that. I I really appreciated the stuck landings. And Kathy Johnson-Clark actually said something in the broadcast that I thought was a really good point. A stuck landing, like a really stuck landing when you like there is zero movement in those feet. That is an aspect of gymnastics that is not subjective. Mm-hmm. Like you can't argue that like that is a stuck landing. They did not move when their feet hit the mat. And that is something that judging bias doesn't play into and things like like you can watch it and see a handstand or, or the height on a release move that is subject to opinion. But a stuck landing is a stuck landing. So right. I thought that was a really good point. And the fact that the first three routines in this bar lineup were stuck cold oh, it yeah. just it really set the tone for me and then rounding out with Kim Tessens a full twisting double back stuck I was like okay they they came to compete and you saw that early I mean you know it you killed a rotation when the score you're dropping is a 985 right that's always a good feeling and, and again um I think that they they helped themselves out here they didn't dig a hole and and had to find themselves you know filling that hole back up I think they they helped themselves out a lot by starting off strong I agree. So then we move on to vault. And honestly, uh, once again, kind of repetitive from what we were talking about in the UCLA. I really just feel like vault was the Mount Everest this season for so many teams. It just seemed like that event was one that athletes were struggling with the most. And I felt like that was the case for Utah. It just vault is, is really such an evident, um, differentiator between teams like you Mm -hmm. you really are able to see differences I feel like bars can sometimes be uh smaller differences that you have to notice but vault you can see this one has amplitude this one does not this one has clean landing this one does not it's like very cut and dry on vault and overall I I wasn't that impressed with this vault lineup but I haven't been impressed with vault across the country really so this isn't necessarily a knock to Utah um Sydney Solosky started them off strong with the Yurchenko full. It was stuck, not huge, but still continued that momentum that they had on bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciated that. But then uh, Cami Hall's one and a half under rotated, couldn't get that landing. Um, Missy had more amplitude than you had seen, but again, hop on the landing. Like it just seemed um, yeah. like, like they lacked a little bit of control. Alexia Birch, I, I wrote big, but uncontrolled. Crystal Isa, another Yurchenko full, and then Kim Tesson rounding them out. It was stuck, a one and a half, which they certainly needed. I wrote spunky gymnast next to her. I just feel like she, you know, like even her bangs are spunky. You know what I mean? Like she just, she attacks everything that she's doing and she is petite. She is little, but she has fire in her. And she's got that spunk that I always saw in Michaela Skinner at Utah. And I think that Kim is, has been that force for them this past season. So I I definitely appreciate that in her, but I think they were, they were, forcing sticks a little bit more when the sticks weren't actually there um, because the, the, the bigness and the amplitude wasn't there first. So that's kind of where some of the under rotation and and the hops kind of came from, because it seemed like that was the focus. And and I think they should have been thinking more about the, the vault before the landing. Perfect way to say that. Yeah. um, That's something DB always told our team was the stick will happen if the technique is right. And I do feel like maybe they were more, 
focused on those landings. I, my notes are pretty much the same. Um, I wrote that it seems to be some technish technish technique <laughs> issues in their in their vault yeah. entries. So you know that round off um, in the beginning of the Yurchenko, how they're entering the table. The twist will determine what the entry is like. So I saw a lot of girls. It looks like their arm, you know, they were missing their block, which is, so they were dragging their feet over, which is why we didn't see a lot of amplitude. Um, you usually you want to leave, not usually you do. You want to leave the table. Um, in a handstand position, you want to be blocking straight up so you can have plenty of time to create that twist and not worried about piking things down or, or whatever you have to do to kind of finesse that, that the end of, of the vault. But um, I wrote, yeah, mm-hmm. there seems to be some technique issues in terms of their entries. Um, maybe go back to the basics and drill work. Because again, at this point in college gymnastics, you're, you're not really learning a lot of new skills, right? You're, you're perfecting and you're, you're um, maybe changing some of your technique. It's going to be hard because at this point you are an 18 to 22 year old gymnast who kind of have, you're kind of set in your ways of, of how your gymnastics comes about, how you perform things, how you, what your technique is. Um, it's individual to each athlete really. So um, I guess for them, you know, the twist is going to happen. They can all do a twisting vault. That's not the problem. I think they should just kind of go back to the basics and, and drill work and um, focus on, you know, getting the head in on the roundup, blocking, reaching from the table. Um, and, and I think I think they'll be pleased um, if they just take a step back. Sometimes it's it's about being simple, you know, and not so much um, uh-huh. just putting it all together. It's kind of taking a step back and, and looking at the bird's eye view of, you know, what are the little things? And I think, um, I think they need to do that. Yep. Great advice. I I agree with that one. All right, let's move on to floor. I was a bit underwhelmed and, and a little bored with their performance in terms of dance. I thought their tumbling was clean and good. Um, it was a little repetitive. I think I would have liked to see, um, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just different gymnastics, different combinations from them. I will give them this though. This is a very nerve wracking meet. They are coming into UCLA, yeah. who's known for their performances, who's known for, you know, their big antics and being that personality team. And they're really good on floor. That's kind of what they're known for is their unique routines and, and the themes behind it. So I, I get it. Maybe there were a lot of nerves and they were more worried about just getting the job done, but they're a phenomenal team and you, you can't take that from them. Here's what it is, and this is what I wrote down, and I've I've mentioned this in the past. There are so many times that you can literally see it on the face of an athlete when all they're thinking about is the next pass. The moves they are doing, the dance that they are performing, that they're not even performing. You can't even use that word because you know what they're focused on, the leaps and the tumbling. And believe me, you should focus on it so you don't like hurt yourself, but... (laughs) A good floor routine is performed from start to finish. I feel like that is another big deciding factor in great teams. Um, And I just didn't feel like they were really performing. It felt like they were going through the motions to then get to the next pass. And that is incredibly evident. Um, But I will, I'm, I'm very impressed and excited for the future of Abby Paulson. The fact that this girl is a freshman blows my mind. She was the lead off on floor and then the anchor on beam. Like this is someone who has uh, a lot of versatility in her calmness. Like you have to be calm in a lead off and you have to be calm in an anchor, but very, they're different. And what is needed of you mentally is different. And she's able to do both from one rotation into the next. And I just, as a freshman, I think that that speaks volumes about her abilities in a competition setting. So even looking back at my notes, I don't have a ton. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, 
telling that I was like, okay, like good. It wasn't, that's why I said at the beginning, I felt like they had a bookend meet because yeah. bars was amazing and beam was amazing. Vault and floor in the middle were, they just kind of fell flat. They were good, yeah. but they weren't great. Yeah. Um, but I, I think so much of it will come if they perform more, because <laughs> I, I think there's certainly something to be said for adrenaline. And if you don't kind of like bring it out of yourself in yeah. meets like that, it's, it's not just going to find you. Oh, totally. But there were some different mistakes of a couple of them. You know, Jillian did have the fall, but um, even Miley, um, she somehow managed to get a stick on that one, one and a half front lay, but she she could have very easily under rotated that. It made me kind of think, you know, go, going back to the whole nerve situation and also something to um, to point out and remind people, everyone's equipment feels different. So you could be like, I know yeah. with you, our floor is extremely bouncy. Um, and then you could go to a different meet and someone's floor be really, really hard. And in terms of flipping, you have to get accustomed to maybe changing your timing a little bit. I know there were times, especially like in podium, um, there were times like Jay would have to gather as a team and be like, Hey, you guys are all rushing off the floor. Like that's why you're landing short when, you know, we're on the podium and it gives you more bounce. You have to be more patient with your gymnastics. And so it kind of made me think, um, maybe this floor was a little hard, harder than what they're used to. I think that's a really great point uh, to acknowledge. So let's go over to the beam because this is where it was It was really won for Utah yes. and it's really where they impressed me. I, I felt like the, the calmness. It, what I also found interesting, and I literally wrote this down, they performed more on beam than yes. they did on floor. I totally Which, like the same thing. You know, like they just, every single one of them, they had such poise their yeah. their their shoulders were back their their chin was up they performed all of their hand movements they were very intentional with the choreography of their beam routine yeah. and I think there's a direct correlation to confidence because yeah. you could tell I mean going into this meet they were the fourth team in the country on beam and I think they were like 14th on floor and you could see the confidence yeah. levels were totally different from rotation three to rotation four 100%. I, I, there was so much rhythm and you could tell um, they just really practiced that artistry. I think you are so spot on in terms of um, confidence. Um, you know, their starter, Emily LeBlanc, uh, beautiful rhythm. I, I loved her dance. Um, she had a little bit of form and wobble in that series, a solid front aerial to split jump. I loved her flair and her style. She kind of reminded me of Missy Ryan Settler up on the beam a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. um, but she had a small cross step on her landing. She went nine, eight. Um, then we had Alexia Birch. I think this is really when I was like, whoa, like she is confident. Um, she, she, the way she danced on the beam, it made it look like she was dancing on the floor. It, it didn't even phase her. Yeah. Um, she was extremely solid, fabulous routine. Everything was nailed and stuck. And I loved the way she kind of held the finish and they would like flick her hands. And there was a lot of confidence to that. Um, and she went nine, nine, five, which was amazing. Then we have Miley. Um, again, I felt like um, she, she looked a little nervous. She looked like she didn't trust almost in herself, not necessarily her gymnastics. Again, I think she she's really trying to come into her own in terms of college gymnastics. Um, but she ended up nailing her dismount. She went 9-9. Nine, nine. Um, Crystal has been a standout for um, – Utah. I think she's been a really big staple. Yeah. She brings a lot of personality. Um, and, and I love her attitude. You can tell that she um, is just a very positive person and every team needs that for sure. Um, she had a great front toss and an awesome triple series, um, a very solid and exciting routine. She went nine, nine, five. Then we have Adrian Randall, which 
this routine was just jaw dropping. Um, she was super solid. She had a full twisting swing down, which is so hard. I don't know how girls are able to control that swing down. I feel like I would just crotch the beam every time. So I can <laughs> understand that skill. Adrian did a yeah. phenomenal job. It's one of those skills that like stops you in your tracks. You're like, whoa, like she just did that, especially in the collegiate level. Like you have to remember, she's not only training that every week, but she's, she's practicing that and she's competing that every Friday. So that was awesome. Um, she nails her dismount too. Um, I, I would have, honestly, I would have given her the stick there. She went nine, nine, seven, five. Um, and then Abby Paulson was absolutely flawless. Obviously she ended up getting a 10, which is amazing. Um, but she was, she was so great to watch. I think this whole beam lineup was really, really stacked and they all did, um, a really good job of, of keeping their cool. You know, I think they knew they had the lead, but they could also potentially have blown it. Um, especially on this event. Um, but they did not let that happen. And, um, they really took the cake. I agree. It, it was exciting to watch. It was, uh, also in a way disappointing because I, I really would have loved to see what they could do in postseason. And, and we're going to hear from Tom in a minute about how he really felt like this team was gelling at the right time. And, and those teams are usually the ones that make a splash in postseason. Like maybe they didn't come out the gate you know, guns a-blazing meet one, but they are building and gaining momentum, which is arguably a better strategy because of the length of season and even the length of postseason. It lasts so long. And I just think that this team would have would have been something special in postseason. It was really cute to see their reaction. And of course, that meet allowed them to go undefeated, which is huge, especially saying you got to, you know, you beat UCLA to get that title. Um, that's a good right. feeling, and obviously with the season being cut short, um, no one got to finish out the way they did. But I can't, I can't imagine that they aren't proud of that. Absolutely, and like you mentioned, so many underclassmen, so many of these routines will be returning next season. So yeah. seems like there's a great foundation set there in Utah, and we are going to talk to Tom Farden, head coach of the Utah gymnastics team, all about the potential of next season. He's going to tell us a little bit about this past season as well. So we're going to bring Tom in, but before we do that, got to tell you guys once again about our awesome sponsor, Bet Online. While you're waiting out this crazy quarantine time at home, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. Even though there's no NBA, NHL, MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but BetOnline has you covered. There are hundreds of places to still wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And you can also bet on really creative things like American Idol, the Spelling Bee, eSports, and there's a $750,000 poker series. So there's plenty of fun to still be had. So go to betonline.ag and use our promo code MYPOD100 to receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, that's betonline.ag, promo code MYPOD100 to get a welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, everybody. Well, let's keep the Utah talk going. And who better to do that with than the head coach of the Utah gymnastics team? Everyone welcome Tom Farden. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Honored to be on your show. Uh, I'm a fan and, uh, you know, anything that we can continue to talk about our, our love, sport, our beloved sport, gymnastics, right? 
Heck yeah. That, that's a huge part of our goal when we started this podcast was just to continue to uh, kind of grow the brand and, and get people listening and talking about the sport because all the platforms to do that are, are better for the growth of it. So we are pumped to have you with us. And, you know, I'm just going to jump right in asking you about your kind of career trajectory to this point. This was your first season as the sole head coach at Utah. You had been the co-head coach alongside Megan Marston, and obviously you, you took to it very easily. Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Talk to me a little bit about this season in comparison to the last few as as co-head coach. What kind of transition, if any, was there for you? Well, there there's always a transition, and and uh, you know, thankfully throughout my career, I've I've been able to surround myself or be guided by some of the best. Uh, people in the business. And so, you know, we were trying to prepare ourselves as best as possible through this transition, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, um, you truly don't know what you're in for until you're sitting in that chair and you're actually yeah. doing it. So, um, you know, we, it was, it was kind of a, a, a journey in terms of, I think, I don't even know how many years I've been doing this now. It's 20 plus, but um, uh, cut my teeth at Southeast Missouri I uh, was fortunate to be a head coach at a very young age, uh, then moved on to Arkansas. So I got the the, the taste and the flair of the SEC for a little while mm-hmm. and um, moved on to, uh, to Utah with the Marsdens as an assistantship. And, and within a few years, uh, we had started making plans uh, for, for the succession because, uh, you know, Greg has he has been here, a godfather of NCAA gymnastics and been mm-hmm. here a long time. And so we started the process a long time ago, actually of methodically going through every aspect of what it really takes to be at the helm of a program of this magnitude where there's 15,000 fans, tons of boosters, the recruiting responsibilities, a 20,000 square foot state-of-the-art building, beautiful, you know, gymnastics facility that you have to take care of. Um, There's just so many nuances, uh, you know, beyond the gymnastics at a program like a Utah where the marketing and everything else goes so hand in hand to our mm-hmm. uh, stature in the community and state and beyond. Um, but uh, Megan was, we came up with this plan to be co-head coaches. Uh, Megan was very gracious in staying on uh, and, and, you know, told me up front, you know, I, I want to work with you. And, and um, she's got some qualities that are, are just incredible with athletes, with our boosters. And so to, to some soft touch things that I know my career needed to work on. Uh, and Greg had the other end of things, very business minded. Um, and, and, and really, uh, was, was always had a 30,000, uh, aerial, uh, view of NCAA gymnastics and then yeah. also our program. And so that combination, you know, working with these two greats for on a daily basis for, for so many years, I felt really, um, you know, in, 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 uh, in conjunction with, with being a young head coach in my 20s, um, it really helped me uh, be prepared for this year. I can imagine. Yeah. As a coach, you've had to lead the team and set the tone. I know even giving the kids a pep talk after a loss is a hard thing to do, but I'd imagine no coach has had to sit down and tell his team this is the end of the road because of a pandemic. How did you tell the girls about the season shutdown and, and what was your message for them um, considering the accomplishments of the season? You know, that was, um, you know, I, I still get a little emotional now and I know it was a couple of months ago, but that, 
that day I'll remember forever in infamy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those days that you, it's a little surreal. I got the call from our athletic directors, and and they had indicated to me that we were, you know, it was kind of a rolling progression, if you will, because Monday this was happening. I was told, hey, we were sold out for our last meet happened to be against Utah State. Coach, these are the numbers. We're sold out at this thing. We got this many, uh, you, you know, we get all the numbers, the data, the, week, the early part of the week of what's going on. We're still moving forward. Everything is great. And then Tuesday, uh, yeah, we're still good. Everything's good. And then Wednesday morning, things really started to change. And, and um, you know, hey, coach, some things are changing. I think we're going to be able to do it, but we're not going to be able to have the fans in the stands. I think we're going to look at this and we're going to stream it this way. And then the bottom dropped out shortly thereafter, as we all know. Um, I guess myself, the first people, obviously, I, I consulted with was our, our staff, which is incredible. Um, and and we, we came up with a plan of the best way to approach our athletes because, you know, again, they're, they're probably closer to believing in Santa Claus than they are to getting a mortgage. And... <laughs> you got to handle them delicately and, but, but also you, you have to be honest with them and transparent. And so how do you find that line where you're taking care of their emotional needs and, you know, body of balance, that tightrope walked into the, uh, we called the meeting. Uh, we walked into the, uh, our, our dump key facility and sat them all down. And um, I'm, I'm not sure if I really had to tell them because the, the silence in the room, uh, my posture and the other coaches posture uh, was of somber and disbelief. And like, like I said, all of us, were, it was, we're sitting in a little pool of how, how surreal is this? And when we told them um, we, our message was uh, that the, this is something we can't control. This is larger than us. Many other teams and programs are going through this right now. And you guys, in terms of brilliance, were a perfect 10. Uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of a team than I was this year. Uh, the way they came together, as you know, many people know, we lost 14 routines, arguably one of the best all-rounders in the NCAA as she took a gap year, uh, Michaela Skinner, to, to uh, you know, char- uh, make a charge for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we hired three new coaches. And so w- with all of those changes, um, you know, for us to come out with the results that we did, like I said, in the, in the category of brilliance, it was a 10.0. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you, Tom. We even talked about it heading into this season. And in one of our preview episodes, we said, you know, I'm, I'm super interested to see what this Utah program does because of all the changes, the initial changes before season even started that your athletes were going to have to overcome and and losing Michaela Skinner is no small thing. I mean, she's a generational athlete. So who's going to rise to the challenge kind of thing. And it was like, something so special. You could see the spark in this team. You could see the fire. And so I am not at all surprised to hear that 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 was your perception of this team as well. I want to talk to you just kind of a scouting report. Obviously, we all can speculate what postseason would have been. But for this team and and knowing what you know, McKenna and I just recapped that Utah-UCLA meet, I would love to get a little bit of a scouting report on each event from your perspective. What what was standing out to you on each apparatus? What was kind of the the goal of progress heading into postseason? Because it really seems like this team was headed in such a good trajectory and, and really was picking up steam heading into postseason. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 we really felt that too, as a staff, um, that they were gelling at the right time. Yeah. Uh, one of our strategies that we had developed early on is we kind of picked our strengths, knew where, what events we were going to be strong on. We, we, we had identified that early in the preseason. That's something that I've been doing for my entire career. Okay. This is our strengths. This is our weaknesses. These are our threats and, you know, basic things that you have to do as a coach. And one of the things that we wanted to do was sprinkle out the big scores. We knew that the 995s and the 9975s and sometimes the 10s that Michaela, um, uh, Michaela Skinner was producing for us mm-hmm. weren't necessarily going to be a guarantee. Although we had the talent for several of those scores, we didn't know if that was necessarily kind of a, we can you know count on this type of thing. Sure. And so our strategy going into the season was how do we sprinkle out a whole bunch of 9875s uh, among six athletes and make sure that we're still at that mid-197 mark through the, through the uh, regular season and then ramp up for the postseason. Mm-hmm. And, and so what, what we did is, is look at it event by event and, and, and look at our arsenal and then train the kids to some of the things that we thought was best in, in terms of coaching decisions. And that's where strategy comes in. But if I could go through each event, as you requested, um, <laughs> one of the things that with, with, uh, with vault was, was to find vaults that, you know, are, are, if we've got to use the full, that are, are big and and pretty and and have good control on their on their landings and mm-hmm. we were really pushing to to get up to five uh you know 10 old vaults that we know are so critical uh, it right. was a little bit of a misfortune missy kind of ran out of time because of the you know the, the virus and training and this that and the other and then uh jill uh hoffman uh, jillian hoffman had a had a 10.0 vault as well that that uh, garrett griffith had brought along very nicely missy had competed it before in elite days uh, but, but Garrett had brought that bump along very nicely and was, you know, looking like it was ready to go. Uh, uh-huh. She suffered a toe injury. And so, um, you know, we were a little bit, you know, behind on that event. In my estimation, we would love to have, you know, more than 50% as the other very, very elite teams have. Uh, but we were, we were um, you know, right there with three very nice tenor vaults and three well done, uh, you know, big uh, Yurchenko folds that I thought had good command, good control, and we're getting better as season came on. And so that's kind of our recap on vault. Uh, if season had gone along, you know, we would have, you know, liked to maybe push for one more. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, it got cut short. Uh, bars, we did feel was an area of strength. Uh, yeah. we, we felt that it was, it, you know, we, in terms of execution and, and the look on our bars, uh, we, we thought the bars was, was uh, a, an event that could be one of our standout events. Uh, early on, we identified uh, um, so the, the athletes that we thought were going to be the best our mix. They kind of included Milo Keefe, uh, Emily LeBlanc, Crystal Issa, Abby Paulson, Missy Reinsteller, Kim Tesson, and yeah. Hunter Dula. And those were kind of our seven that we, you know, would go to frequently. Um, several of the athletes had the, 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 uh, big E dismount at the end, which really helps mm-hmm. uh, Miley does, uh, Emily, Crystal, uh, Hunter, uh, Missy and Kim. So we know that those really can uh, light, light up, a, light up a crowd and a judge if they, if they do them extremely well. Um, and, and I, I really look back at the bar team as one that, that, uh, had good strength in, in terms of, uh, execution and cleanliness and their, the, their swing mechanics. Um, balance beam was an area. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, we finished second in the nation on balance beam, I believe. And, um, Carly Dockendorf did a heck of a job over there in terms of, of coming up with creative assignments, putting together the right, 
athletes after each other to kind of build scores, as we all know has to happen in NCAA. Uh, but Emily LeBlanc, uh, Alexia Birch, Miley O'Keefe, Crystal Issa, Adrian Randall, and, uh, and Abby Paulson, those, those are some pretty strong beam workers. And I, mean, I believe many of those athletes would make beam lineups in anybody's lineup in the NCAA. And, and also one of the most difficult beam lineups, I mean, in terms of uh, Crystal Issa with her flick lay lay, Adrian yep. Randall with her full, full, full twisting splashdown, uh, Abby Paulson and Miley Keefe with the no-handed series. I mean, those are some very standout things that uh, I, I, I thought, um, you know, Carly did a great job of handling. And then last, uh, uh, floor exercise, um, um, Courtney McCool is over there. And um, he, as we all know, an incredible athlete uh, and um, Olympi- former Olympian, very talented in the choreography area. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we wanted to make sure that we gave her her space to, to run that event. And she came up with great lineups, um, you know, enough. We felt like we had enough difficulty over there and uh, re- really nice and uh, uh, jazzy type routines. I, I, I thought they were very eye catching. I know Carly did some of our routines, too, uh, but um, uh, Courtney was over there on a daily basis. And so uh, we, we wanted to we wanted to. Uh, kind of come up with a package that was you know for for the entire uh utah program we knew that we were going to have one or two maybe three standout events that's what we were kind of working towards and again we didn't see the finished project uh product but uh we really feel like uh bars and beam and and floor were some events that we were going to be able to excel on and we Mm -hmm. did and and then keep that excelling all the way through the postseason and and vault we were we were trying to you know, make it a push because we knew we weren't quite, you know, maybe an elite team with five or six, uh, 10 vaults, but we, right. we felt like we had enough difficulty and enough cleansiness and, and the first half of the vault lineup to hang in there. Yeah. That's so huge. And I, I think especially bars and beam, I know that Taylor and I have talked about how much that stood out to us when we got to recap, um, this meet last week, we actually, we watched the same meet, but we were UCLA focused. And then this, this week we took on Utah and um, just from seeing last week y'all's bar routines in the same meet, Taylor and I were super excited to get the chance to really focus on y'all's team and, and watch mm-hmm. those routines, knowing you guys had the win and knowing that, especially in the big environment UCLA is and, you know, with their name, this was going to be a top match meet. And we knew you guys had to bring it, and which you did. And you guys came out with the win, which was huge. Talk to us about what the remainder of this team is going to look like without the seniors and, and how those incoming freshmen and really how this, this team next season is going to look. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we we're going to really miss Missy and, and Kim and Hunter. They're three incredible athletes. Missy is, is, uh, has that elite look and very exquisite lines. Kim was a very compact and powerful uh, athlete and and then we had uh, Hunter Dula whose bars are you you don't find that level of bars very often with her mm-hmm. uh, fluid swing and her high flying Jaeger uh, and beautiful execution and toe point I mean uh, th- that's some of the things that really draw drew me to those kids is their execution and and, and in particular uh, I I always thought Missy and and uh, Hunter had incredible toe point. What is it mm-hmm. going to look like next year? You know, thankfully, we're bringing back a lot of routines. We're, we're really missing out on just a few, a handful of routines, uh, but we're bringing back some incredible routines. And um, adding to that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, we're hoping that Jaden Rucker comes back healthy. Um, she, she had an ACL injury uh, after we signed her, but before she showed up. And so we're hoping she can 
you know, contribute next year. But then we're bringing in a very strong freshman class. Uh, Deanne Souza, a former mm-hmm. national team member for Team USA, uh, Texas Dream athlete, uh, incredibly clean. Uh, I think she can excel on all four events uh, in NTAA. I think she's got the execution, the consistency, and the look that many top teams have. Uh, Jaylene Gilstrap, uh, another elite out of Metroplex in Texas, um, made it to championships of the USA. We feel that Jaylene is is the complete package. Both of them, uh, the Texas kids, are complete packages. And um, Jaylene's really, really going to excel again in, in the execution part. Her, her gymnastics is clean. It's got good personality. Uh, she's well, and, and she was well-trained. And the last athlete in that class is Lucy Stanhope, uh, international elite, uh, a f- a former team uh, member of the uh, a world team member uh, of the British team. And, um, you know, she shows big skills on all events, uh, double-twisting Yurchenko, double-double, opens double-double on floor, uh, big, big beam series and, and um, dismounts and also uh, on bars too. So really it's a complete package. I know we're losing a lot and, and uh, especially Kim and Missy's leadership. Um, they're incredible. Hunter's personality. She was light and kept things fun. Um, but the, the athletes that we have coming in and the ones that we're turning from, from injury, uh, we have a chance to be strong again next year. Yeah. I mean, I, it looks to me like the foundation is, is very solid watching that meet. It, there were so many times that the, the graphic would pop up and show that some a competitor was a freshman or sophomore. And I was completely shocked. They, they performed like they were upperclassmen. They really, it seemed like they had developed this confidence, which again, goes back to, to the beginning, you talking about your coaching philosophy and instilling that, that motivation in your athletes. And I think that that trans translates really well into younger classmen that feel very confident when they're performing uh, for Utah, which which I just think means great things for you guys moving forward. Well, Coach, the last thing I have for you before we let you go, I, I would love to get your input on Michaela. Obviously, uh, just such a, a special athlete. She had to make the tough decision of, uh, you know, redshirting, leaving Utah in pursuit of that Olympic dream, which obviously has, has kind of been tampered with after all of this. Now the Olympics being postponed a year, but what, first of all, what was it like to coach an athlete like Michaela Skinner and, and kind of what has been your uh, thought process and, and opinion of, of the road ahead that she potentially has now that the Olympics has been postponed a year? Yeah. Um, you, you know, you use the, you guys used the phrase earlier once in a generational athlete and, and she really was, I mean, she, mm-hmm. she came in very business minded in terms of her gymnastics but she likes to have fun and she likes to, you know, goof around with the girls and be one of the girls as well. And so she's always balanced that stuff. But in terms of accuracy and, and day in and day, uh, day in and day out work at work output was just incredible. I'm, I'm being 100% honest with you. I never saw her land short on a double, double. I never, I, I never saw her land even with her a little short on a double twisting your chanko. I mean, wow. that, that kind of athlete that trains at that level day in and day out and owns her gymnastics, that's why the consistency and the record that she holds with 161 consistent hits is, is hers because she trained with that same type of consistency and accuracy every single day. Mm-hmm. Will we have ever see another kid like that in, in my career? I don't know if it's once in a generation. I've only got another. I'm on the back nine of my career, so... <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out about that. I have been in touch with her. 
and I know she was heartbroken that, that, uh, you know, the Olympics are, are going to be postponed. She understood it from a global view in terms of, yeah, we've got, this is the best thing to do for our society. Um, but, um, I, I know she was, you know, looking forward to, to, to seeing how this all unfolded and kind of her and her coaches do an incredible job. I went and saw her in late January, early February, and she looked amazing. And, and, uh, they, they know what they're doing. They absolutely had a little plan going to get her ready for, uh, you know, this, this, uh, late July, early August, but plans deferred. I know this is an opportunity to work on her D scores. Uh, and and uh, work on our execution on some other areas, and she's working some upgrades. As when I was down there, I saw some of them; they're pretty mm-hmm. cool. And uh, so she's she's keeping a good attitude about it, and I know she's she's excited about you know continuing to plug away. Uh, that's one thing that you know is hard to extinguish is her desire to be an Olympian. And I know yeah. she was an Olympic alternate, and she's been on a few world teams. But I think, you know, sometimes that, that desire burns so strong and deep down in somebody that it's, it's hard to ever extinguish. Well, hey, if anyone is going to handle this thing with flying colors, it's going to be Michaela. She has that competitive fire in her, and, and I'm excited to see what more she accomplishes. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I, McKenna and I have been raving about this Utah team, and so much of that is thanks to you. You have just been such a, a wonderful coach in the scheme of NCAA, and I know there's more good things to come for you. So it was great hearing from you, and, and best of luck moving forward. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for us this week on Chalk Talk. As always, McKenna and I greatly appreciate you all listening and following along each and every week as we break down the wonderful world of gymnastics. Now, next week for our meet of the week, we are going to be talking all about the number five team in the nation by the end of season, Michigan. So the meet of the week will be Michigan versus New Hampshire. That meet was on February 28th. Once again, you can find this on YouTube. So make sure you watch it, take your notes, and we will be talking all about Michigan in that meet next week. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside. Hopefully we'll be out of this thing freaking soon. Until then, have a good week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.